I don't know and I'm really curious as to how we as women got to this place where we are so distrustful of ourselves and our inner voice that we need it from that validation from everyone else but us. Our higher self is caged up in all of these layers of conditioning and it's not just societal conditioning telling us how we should be mm-hmm. and who we should be and how we should do it. It's partners and it's family and it's just so so many things. And so for me, making a decision, I also needed, you know, a mentor and a guide and a coach and stuff like that to guide me back to myself. Yeah. Not to not to tell me about who I am, but to help me remove those layers so that that highest part of myself could really shine through. gives you two choices when it throws everything at you. You can let it swallow you whole or you take those lemons. And as the old saying goes, you turn it into sweet, delicious lemonade. And that's exactly what this podcast is all about. Welcome to Lemonade. I'm your host, Elizabeth O'Neill, and I'll be sharing the incredible stories from inspiring people who've turned the hardest times in their life, their lemons into lemonade. Because let's be real, we all want to know how they did it, the lessons they learnt, and what life is like sipping the cello on the other side. Let's get juicing. Monique Barry, how are you? It's a pleasure to have you on the podcast this morning. Oh, thank you, Bam. It's just so <laughs> nice to be here. So nice to see your face. It has, it <laughs> is. It's really so nice to see your face. It is the time of the Scorpio full moon as we are recording. You are a double Scorpio. Your sun and your moon are in Scorpio and a bunch of other placements. How are you feeling? Are you feeling more sexual than usual? Go. <laughs> more th- more than usual what is that even I don't know if there's thing. I don't know I'm so I have so much energy at the moment like I've been staying awake till two o'clock in the morning of course you waking- have <laughs> waking up waking up at like five thirty six and just feeling feeling kind of fine and are you serious yeah I swear I swear I have this theory that Monique doesn't really sleep and she sleeps standing up in a coffin or something, <laughs> meditating. And you've had three hours of sleep and you feel good. Yeah, I do. I did. I did. I did feel good. So I don't know. My house, Scorpio just makes me feel like myself. I definitely feel very inward at this time. Like whenever there's a Scorpio full moon, I like don't want to be around anybody by myself. Do you want to be around me right now? Yeah, I do. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> Um, well, I think you're an exception. <laughs> I feel like this is not going to be that relevant because it's going to come a few days out after the full moon, but this is always a good thing to do when it is around the full moon period, which does last a few days, either side of the actual full moon, which is going to be Thursday morning, Australian, New Zealand time, um, is to have a bath and make a list of everything you want to release and then burn the shit out of it. I feel like that's the most energizing way to mark a full moon do you do that Mm. sometimes depends Mm. like I'm not really rigid with my moon ceremonies I just sort of feel into like whatever a lot of the times I do I always almost always do a new moon ceremony more so than Mm. a full moon ceremony because um I think you know, placing an intention upon a cycle to me. And I feel, I feel like you're always releasing stuff. 
um, through spiritual practice and stuff like that. And so I don't feel that call at, at full moon time. I just feel a lot of energy. I'm feeling, I feel sometimes crazy with my moods and mm, mm-hmm. that's it really. But it always mm. depends with me as well, how much I'm feeling it. Like some full moons can kind of come and go and you hardly even notice. And then other ones you're like, honestly, oh, that's some full moons wipe you the fuck out. Yeah. yeah. Oh, that's why I've been insane this time. Right. I get mm-hmm. it now, but others you don't even notice, but yeah, this one I'm kind of like not really noticing too much. I feel like I've been me, a bit but Maybe that's because, yeah. <laughs> it's because you can't handle Scorpio. <laughs> yeah, I feel like it's been made, made me a little bit, like I almost feel a little bit more psychic and a little bit more aware, but I also just feel a little bit psycho. That's just anyway, my normal life. <laughs> speaking of which, how have you been? Speaking of psycho, how have you been the last few weeks since our last episode? <laughs> uh, honestly, it has been a roller coaster of feeling amazing and then feeling really flat. And I've kind of been a little bit frustrated with some of the things that I've seen out there. A lot of toxic leadership talking about how you should be doing this and how you should be showing up. And I don't necessarily buy into that. I think that these are times where you should really go inward and reflect and rest deeply so that you can really be relevant in the world around you. Um, So I don't know, it's been kind of like an up and down experience we're on our end of, we're coming up to our third month of quarantine. Oh, you know? Yeah, I know. And it's just, I just honestly want to get the fuck out of my house yeah. and just have some girl time because yeah. I am quarantining with my ex and obviously <laughs> my son. Your baby daddy. Yeah. My, my baby dads. Which is so sweet. <laughs> and then though we established last episode that I can't call my okay. ex my baby daddy. It's weird. Uh, no, you can't. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I don't know. I guess everyone's feeling the same thing world around, loving it, hating it, wanting it, not wanting it. It's like the big break that nobody really knew that we needed. And mm. Yeah. I, know, I feel, interesting. I oscillate between feeling super just over it and just wanting to go to a fucking cafe, have some breakfast or see my <laughs> friends. And then also being like, oh my God, no, if it ends, I'm not ready to kind of come out of my, mm. and then I have to socialize. I'm going to have to go and meet people at busy, loud places. And I don't know if I feel yeah. equally ready for that. So I don't know. I feel like I'm, well, I think I'm ready for a little bit more. I'm ready for just <clears throat> be able to hang out with a group of friends. Like yeah. a well, I think friend. what people need to like realize as well is that we have been into this forced timeout kind of um, space and time. We have been resting. And so to jump and rush back into the status quo or like what is norm that would be very shocking to Mm-mm. your system so i think when you have that awareness and that consciousness i think it's much better to just ease yourself into things so that you can allow the integration process to really happen because mm. a lot of people have had a lot of shit come up um you know mm. as you do when you mm. have the chance to be rest and not be busy yeah um it's been uncomfortable for some people so i think people just need to go easy and gently into this new Next phase. So I came for you this morning. I have a tarot card deck. My mum is a really brilliant tarot card reader, if I may say so myself. And she just, just seeing how passionate she was about it and how much I loved every time she'd do a reading for me, I thought, well, my, why don't I just buy my own deck? And then I've been really, really loving doing that every morning after my morning meditation is pulling a card and just to give me some kind of insight into the day ahead or try and, uh, or some kind of inspiration or kind of just, they can sometimes just sum up a mood that I didn't even realize I was feeling 
feeling like you can kind of put it into words. So I've been loving doing that and everyone has access to buying a deck of cards and Googling it or buying a book to see the meanings. And that's all I'm really doing. So anyway, so I really recommend that. And I have pulled you the Empress card, which I actually pulled both of us major Akana cards, which is a pretty big deal. Mm. But the Empress card is about human love and the human's heart's capability of loving. Oh my God, I can't read. She's all about (laughs) the love in your life. And so I feel like this is you. In the Empress provides love as she stands for abundant and unconditional love. The question you have to ask yourself is how do I love? How passionate about life am I really? The, the Empress represents human motherly love, all the nourishment and nurturing that a mother can provide to her baby. She represents fertility, that nine-month gestation period, all the feminine sexuality and women's issues. Oh, that is so relevant to me right now as well. I'm such a good tarot card reader. Yeah. <laughs> The Empress is all about all about the ideas and hopes in the mind before manis- manifestation, the creative energy in the mind as well as in the real world. How creative are you, are you and how fertile is your mind? The Empress is the concept of growth and productivity. It connects to bring home the harvest, the corn. That is my card. That that's your is card. me. You yeah, that's me look? right now as well. Yeah. And she can, can see, you can see, see she's sitting on a throne. My mum has explained to me that this card actually, yeah, that nine-month gestation period means that something that's brewing right now will be born in nine months. <gasps> mm. I, don't, I like her dress as well. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> <Pretty>. <laughs> she's pretty. What's your one? And then I pulled for me the star. See, another major oh, she's card. naked, of course. I like this description, though. You're going <laughs> to lull when I say this. <laughs> <laughs> the star is the perfect woman. <laughs> no, but it is actually, it does say that, but it, it doesn't mean me. It means the woman in the car. <laughs> um, it is all about slowing down and going into your inner calm and meditating and going within for the answers. And um, oh, this is so relevant to you right yeah, now. Yeah, I feel I like too. Yeah. Stop, stand still and smell the roses, connect inward. You do not have to work to achieve the star energy. You are just in it. It's the being energy, not a doing energy. We are all connected to nature, the flora and the fauna. Yeah, I feel like it's really nice. Connects to inner karma. It is a really nice Peace of mind, healing, wholeness. And it's the card of realisation of hopes and dreams, the wishing card. I think so- this is so relevant for you because we've been talking about relationships Mm. and we have been <laughs> we have been talking about relationships about a lot just for a change um <laughs> we're not single mums at all <laughs> just you know we're complete experts on the topics obviously <laughs> just it's funny you say that because i've just looked at our three segments for today and they are all to do with relationships <laughs> can we talk <laughs> about something else no not really but before we get into that I do want to ask you, as you would have noticed in the show notes, if you um, bothered to read them before today. Sorry. (laughs) (laughs) We're about to to start recording and Monique's like, you didn't send me the notes as normal. And I'm like, yes, I did. And she's like, no, you definitely did it. Oh, 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 wait, there it is. So anyway, so I would love your recommendations before we jumped in the first segment about what you're reading, watching, listening that you might recommend. Oh, okay. So I don't know, but your podcast with Ghadija was... Oh my gosh, that was the best setup. (laughs) I know, this is not a setup. I genuinely, like, I really love, I really love listening to Empowering Women and I really love 
real life stories, like a lot of the books and stuff I read as well are memoirs of really empowered people. Um, and I just, I loved, I loved listening to her. I loved the energy. I loved her story. So listening to podcast episodes, listen to the Khadija ones, which are the last this, two. Yeah. So I did, oh, I chatted okay. to Khadija Blah, who is a feminist female powerhouse of a woman just so interesting mm. as well like so dynamic so multifaceted like i really love that yeah um i'm i'm actually reading the artist's way by julia cameron at the moment which i've been kind of on and off for a long time <clears throat> but it's just such a a good book it's kind of a course a 12 week course mm. but also um about really unlocking creativity and really talking about flow and really talking about what it is to have creative blocks in place and and sort of um how to remove them so i've been loving that lots of journal prompts as well to really get oh things i love flowing that and growing yeah it's a really 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 good book um and what am i watching normal people because i knew you were going to say that <laughs> <laughs> and i just ordered the book as well i watched a normal people and i cried and bam told me to watch it and i, I told it that's the one i sat up to two in the morning i told monique to watch it because i was like oh they're just naked again there's so much sex in this show oh i've just seen another penis again and she's like what are you watching i need to watch <laughs> it right now and it's so beautiful i read i read the book before it i watched is. the series and I really did enjoy it. I know a lot of people got very moved by it though. You you just said you cried. It never I got very I, I got very moved. It's just very relatable for me. Mm. I and I think some people find it, yes, that I've read toll threads of people just sobbing on the floor and I'm like, where is my heart? Tortured love. Yeah. Unrequited like, love. Imperfect, yeah, imperfect timing, you know, like nothing, no one ever sort of measuring up to that that pedestal that you place somebody on that kind of thing like I and traumatic very- upbringings too yeah yep <laughs> I am going to be recommending Untamed by Glennon Doyle, which I have. Been oh, I've reading. ordered that. I'm so glad you have. I have been loving. I actually, full disclosure, I love all kinds of spirituality and learning and enriching my mind, but I find it hard to read books like that. I prefer listening to those mm-hmm. ideas rather than reading them. And but Untamed is totally different. It is just like I cannot put it down. It but that's is, because it's a memoir. That's exactly what I was saying. So like, true. I but love it's it's growth in a memoir context. Yeah. So true. And she is just so inspirational and empowering. And it is like there's there's it's all about, as you said, her memoir and her awakening, but peppered through it all the little different thing, all the different things she's learned. But most of it is about untaming ourselves as woman, women and um, stripping away that conditioning of who we think we're supposed to be. And a really big focus of it is that martyrdom that women seem to think we have to be a martyr and we have, ooh, mm. we have to lose ourselves as women to be the perfect wives and mothers because that's what society expects of us so we think that we have to do that and we put all our hopes and dreams second everything we want or crave in our life becomes secondary but really what our children actually need and our partners actually need is women that fully show up and women that fully love themselves and women that fully um you know, know know where they're going and know what they want in life and that's the most inspirational aspirational thing we can possibly do as a mother and as a partner for the people around us. And she yeah. works it way better than I just did, but I cannot <laughs> recommend it more. Um, I'm, I'm so excited, excited to read, read that. that 
Yeah. And then I'm also listening to anything Russell Brand. <laughs> I just love Russell Brand. I sent you Is this yesterday. Where the conversation came. <laughs> yes, I love Russell Brand. I just listened to his conversation with Brene Brown and I loved that. I listened to his conversation with this addiction specialist called Gabor Mate, which I'm probably butchering his name, but I loved that so much about childhood yeah. trauma and addiction and parenting. He is a, he is a I don't know if he's crazy or a genius or a combination of both. Russell Brand? Just, I love, yeah, I fucking mm. love her, mate. He's so, and he's got that narcissistic kind of aspect, but then he fully acknowledges that he's got that and he's, yeah. I don't know, I just love him. I think he's just so eloquent and intelligent. He's just such a quintessential yeah. Gemini as well. And then I was also going to say that I'm watching, I've finished watching Normal People too and I really suggest that. So, yeah. yeah. Monique Barry, we are now chatting <laughs> soulmates and twin flames and this is an interesting one because I said to you I really want to discuss soulmates and twin flames and the difference between the two and your opinion on it and you (laughs) said I don't believe in soulmates and I said great this is going to make for an interesting (laughs) segment (laughs) so bear with us (laughs) what 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 do you what do you think about soulmates or the concept of soulmates It's not that I don't believe in soulmates, but I think that we romanticize this idea that there's only one mm. person for us. And that like, if we think about, um, if we think about the fact that we are consciousness or a spirit, you know, inhabiting a body and that we've lived thousands of lives before this idea that, that there's one soul for us that we've carried through. It's, that's just such a romantic we, we mm. really romanticize this idea of a soulmate and the one. And I think about people who have, what if you've lost a husband or a wife mm. and then what, that's it. There's no, no more love left for you. You know, I, I just think, I think that the idea that we have about soulmates in a, you know, societal sort of um, construct is that the one for us um, who's going to make our life better and that fulfillment is outside of us and it's going to come from this partner. And if only we had this perfect partner, then our life would be better and I can't live without them. And this idea that we're incomplete without this human being in our life and that that's going to be the only person for us throughout all of eternity, throughout every single human life that we ever have, we're going to, it's our job to just find this person, one person. That's our job. That's our only Mm. job. That's the purpose of our life. Especially as a woman. Especially Especially as a woman. Mm. And I just think that is just so much pressure to place on somebody, like so much responsibility and so much external fulfillment that that sort of takes us away from ourselves. My idea, more of a soulmate. Oh, go. Go Oh, no, I was just going to say that because you can see my face now. (laughs) Uh, Is that as well, it keeps us in relationships that are toxic because we convince ourselves that this is our soulmate and I'm supposed to put up with this because this is my person. And I think I did that a lot with my ex-fiance as I was completely convinced he is the love of my life, my soulmate. And so when there was behaviour happening that was questionable and really hurtful, I would, you know, I'd get worked up and upset and we'd have it, we'd argue or talk it out, talk it through. But then in the back of my mind, it's like, well, no, you have to make it work because this is your person. This is your soulmate and you have to make this work. So I think that can be really limiting as well and make us stay in things longer than we should. Yeah. I think the soulmate idea is like a Disney dream, but like what I think about soulmates is it's, when you meet somebody and you have this 
connection that you can't really explain. This um, feeling like you know them before, like you know them on a deeper level. It's more that if you think about the word soul and mate, it's that your souls recognize each other, maybe from a past life, maybe from a past relationship. And we really have to differentiate that from being the one mm. because they're not. it's not the same thing. So there's a level of comfort that is just instantaneous that comes with someone that your soul recognizes beyond what is intellectually understandable or even possible. Um, so that's kind of like my idea of a soulmate is just history resonance um, beyond, you know, what's, what's considered normal. But um, that's not to say that we're not open to meeting people in this current life. Like at some point that soulmate, if you think about past lives, there would have been a time in a past life where you would have met them for the first time as well. Kind of. Mm, I think you can have, I think, yeah, I think for a long time I was sold the Disney dream is that there is one perfect person out there for me and that is it. Mm. And you know, I will not be happy. I will not be, be complete until I found that prince. Um, but I think since, you know, as you said, you can have someone you think is your soulmate and then what's that doesn't work out or, or something tragic happens to them. And then that is it. Like was my life over at 26 because our, my relationship didn't work. Mm-hmm. Um, and that made me really reassess and look at m- m- how I viewed soulmates and that perfect person for me. And it kind of that exploration got me to thinking that we can have many different ones that come into our life, that perhaps there is that soul resonance, as you said, that they've come from a past life or some kind of soul um, uh, understanding or that, that we knew them somehow. But they can be in the form of all different relationships. And I truly think a lot of my best friends are some of my soulmates because mm-hmm. you just kind of get them in a way that you don't have with everyone else. I almost feel like that about you, which is really sappy, but (laughs) why did we get brought together? We feel nearly three years later I haven't met, which is so creepy in a way. (laughs) But, you know, we talk nearly every day. And there's so much in common and we've, we've pointed out before these kind of parallel lives that we have that are very, very, very similar and with similar people in our lives that play very similar roles as well. And it's almost like, oh, how does, how does this end? I should just look at what my ex doing because the same thing's playing out for her. But so I feel like you can have them in friendships. I think you can have them in family. Um, and I think you can have them in romantic relationships as well. Like I truly believe that my ex-fiancé was and is a soulmate for me, but I don't mean that in the romantic sense that we're supposed to be together and we're supposed to go through all this torturous love to find our ways back. Not at all. It's in a way that we were supposed to come together from a karmic sense. We were supposed to have Mm -hmm. our son and we were supposed, we're supposed to be kind of tying up all these loose ends and, and helping one another grow Mm -hmm. to become who we are becoming as a result of one another as well. You know, I wouldn't be half the person if it wasn't for him and the things that have happened between us. And I certainly wouldn't have had, wouldn't have had my son. So I see myself as a far better person as a result of him. And I can see that for him as well. But that does yeah. not, it does not mean that we are supposed to be together. That does not mean that we are in love. That does not, like there is a separation. It does not mean 
that fatal kind of love. So I truly yeah. Yeah, believe that you can have a few different ones, which also then differs with twin flames, which gets thrown around a lot in the kind of spiritual community. And I had to research mm-hmm. this because I wasn't, I always get a bit confused, but there is a difference. But people believe that twin flames are literally at birth, your souls split into two, and there is another person out there that is the other half to your soul. You're given mm-hmm. a face that you don't buy it. I'm not really sure. I don't buy it. I, it's sometimes- I mean, I, I think, I think I've, like, I've heard a little bit about Twin Flames and I've definitely seen stuff and it's about, you know, the person, it's kind of like the tortured soulmate story yes. that people think. And that's that you come together and you go apart because the timing's off and you come back together and it's just, it's very challenging and there's, it's there's always easy. a runner. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's never easy mm-hmm. because it's, it's really about spiritual growth with your Twin Flame relationship. And the only way that you can be together harmoniously as if you both are doing the work actively and that work can't really be done together but you're so drawn to each other it's like you can't stay away from each other kind of experience but this idea that I mean I definitely think a really good book to read about um, past lives and understanding a soul experience I can't remember who the author is but the book is called (laughs) journey of journey of souls and it is so fucking epic like he's a hypnotherapist that regresses people to past lives it's so good and he um, really starts to explore the soul world and the purpose of you know incarnation Michael Newton yeah Dr. Michael Newton I think his name is right um is he a doctor or did I just think doctor PhD Oh, PhD. Michael Newton, PhD, Journey of yeah. Souls. Mm, cool. But it's a really, yeah, it's a really good book and it's, it's all storytelling. So each chapter is like interviewing somebody um, about their past life experience and then wow. basically form, forming a shape of. So it's, it's quite interesting, but it's possible to split your soul in two, but the soul doesn't really want to do that. The soul wants to have a full experience. Sometimes when they, when the soul is trying to speed up its evolution as a soul, it might split itself in two so that it can have multiple human experiences Mm. for that spiritual growth. But in general, you know, the soul doesn't want to really. So this idea that the soul is splitting itself into a, a, you know, into two people so that they can somehow find their way back to each other to me just doesn't really make yeah. sense. On a, on a, on I a, feel like it's that tortured aspect of a soulmate yeah. and it's just another, yeah. for me, it feels like another flavor of a soulmate is that they're supposed to, and I truly believe every soulmate is supposed to come into your life. Most of those relationships are supposed to be a bit challenging or make you grow mm. or make you question yourself. And sometimes those relationships can be, um, you know, that little bit more toxic or difficult and that can be misconstrued as a twin flame. But, Mm -hmm. yeah, I do believe you come into this life as whole. And I guess this whole, you know, what the the component that we have to mention in this whole discussion is the fact that that to accept this theory means that you have to accept that there is fate and everything happens for a reason and that people are placed on our journey to for a reason and rather than mm-hmm. it's all at random, you know, yeah. or it's or it's free will. I think even with fate, you know, 
or free will. We can, you know, we say that we have the choice to choose, but then is it fate? And there are two sides of the same coin. You know, was it fate that I met you or did the choices that I made in life bring me to meet you? What's the difference really? Again, it's just this idea that we romanticize these notions about it's destiny Mm. or I chose my path and all of these things. Um, But I think relationships are brought into our life for multiple reasons. Obviously one is for us to experience growth in this lifetime, this human experience, to experience some sort of soul growth, but also to resolve karmic experiences from past lives. I can't remember who I was talking to, but I I had a session with a client um, recently. You have other clients but me. (laughs) (laughs) I do. Surprise, surprise. (laughs) (laughs) And we were just talking about past lives and, um, you know, being in abusive relationships and, um, and she was trying to understand why she was, you know, having this experience. And then I kind of mentioned, you know, resolving, you know, past karma with this person could have been because she could have been an abuser in a past life. Who knows? And she just froze when I was talking to her and she was like, for some reason that really, really lands with me that, wow. that feel true. And that, I think that was hard for her to, even acknowledge within herself and it's and it is hard because you know we don't we don't like to see ourselves like that I guess mm, but we, mm. never, we never really know but everything I don't believe anything's really on accident I think that the universe is so complex and so not complicated but complex and is working in ways that we just cannot even imagine and I think we spend too long trying to understand things rather than just allowing things to unfold really naturally and um and allowing ourselves to grow and expand in in harmony with with the universe you know we're just trying to trying to figure it out and fight it and intellectualize it as well and then intellectualize it yeah and that's then really interesting that plays into and we've had this discussion before is when you can go back and look at a past relationship and go there were so many red flags if i'd listened Mm. to my in base and you can even get into that um, that feeling of beating yourself up. If I'd listened to these red flags, if I had, you know, A, B, C, D, and E happened very early on in that relationship, you know, I'm not trusting myself. I'm not listening to my intuition, which is all kinds mm-hmm. of stuff I've said to you, which is then what then you said to me. But if you listen to all these red flags, you wouldn't have your son. So maybe, mm-hmm. you know, maybe that whole fate was that you were supposed to not be listening to those red flags or just kind of like because it was all already predestined that it was supposed to happen and play out as it was supposed to happen so but then you kind of get caught up in then or should you then be putting up with things that you don't want to you know you shouldn't be because who knows what might happen it's a very (laughs) kind of you know what I mean it's very cyclical it gets very exhausting and then I need a nap and then, and it does, and we, that's again, that's where we start getting caught up in the intellectualizing. And my teacher always says to me, the only thing that we ever need to do is follow charm and follow what's the most charming thing for us, what's the most aligned thing for us. Something that provides us with a sense of relief is, the, is always going to lead us in the right direction. So she talks a lot about following charm. 
And so I think when we start to intellectualize, like, oh, should I be putting up with this? And if I do this, what's going to happen? And blah, 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 blah. Then we're actually stepping out of the flow of life and we're stepping mm. out of our ability to turn into that subtle layer where we can detect charm and detect what's the most um, aligned thing for us to do and detect those breadcrumbs. And we miss opportunities, which could have been charm says leave or charm says stay right yeah. now because there's a bigger picture at play. Who, who knows? You know, our job is not to figure things out. Our job is just to trust crumbs that yeah. trust surrender just, just let go that doesn't mean tolerate bad shit but you know we'll trust our inner knowing and that's what untamed in glenn and doyle speaks about so much in untamed is trusting that inner knowing and it got me thinking about how and i've said this to you as well how us as women i don't know what's happened over time that we don't trust that inner knowing anymore. We seek mm. validation from friends or family oh, or partners because yeah. for some reason we get to my age, I've just turned 30 and all of a sudden I have no, you know, I think I've built it up now, but initially when we started speaking, such zero, such zero faith and trust in myself that every little decision mm. I used to message you about and be like, what should I do? This has just happened. And you'd be like, okay, well, that sounds like a good one. Maybe go that way. And I'm like, okay, okay. And I think to myself, <laughs> I already thought to do that, but I can't even think for myself because I don't trust myself and I don't trust my inner knowing that much and my higher self that much that I need someone I consider more in tune will know better for me. And I see that in so many people around me, especially mm-hmm. women that message and email me and friends that are going through tough times or separations. And they'll come to me with questions and I'm always so happy to answer. And I think this is the kind of stuff I would have asked you a couple of years ago. One, that's what I think. And two, I think you know the answer to this. You already mm-hmm. know you're just seeking, you're wanting, seeking me out as I sought you out to help you make that decision and I don't know and I'm really curious as to how we as women got to this place where we are so distrustful of ourselves and our inner voice and following our higher self that we need it from that validation from everyone else but us. I think I had that same experience, you know, at the very start of my spiritual journey um, where I was the same, you know, the... making a decision was really, really overwhelming for me, you know, deciding, even thinking about like, I knew what I wanted. I knew there was this Mm. part of me that, that, um, was just, I don't know. Like I felt kind of like she was caged, which is kind of the analogy that I want to use is this, our higher self is caged up in all of these layers of conditioning and it's not just societal conditioning telling us how we should be Mm -hmm. and who we should be and how we should do it. It's partners and it's family and it's just so, so many things. And so um, for me making a decision, I also needed, you know, a mentor and a guide and a coach and stuff like that to guide me back to myself, not to, not to tell me about who I am, but to help me remove those layers so that that highest part of myself could really shine through. And Everybody, I think, experiences that at some point of their lives, that feeling of losing themselves, that that lost feeling where Mm. you kind of know who you are, but you don't really trust it. And so you want, it's, I don't think it's, I think when you actively seek help from an expert or a professional or someone like that, 
um, you're wanting to, you wanting someone to guide you back to yourself. But I think yeah. before that, you're wanting someone to validate yourself. You want to mm. be like, am I okay if I do this? Mm. Um, is this the right thing to do? And it's, I don't know. I, I don't think, know. I think this is really beautiful. And what I've always thought about what you've been to me is that a healer is not someone that you go to for healing. A healer is someone that triggers within you, your own ability to heal. Yeah yourself and anyone that I've ever had in my life that I've gone to for them to heal me rather than for me to do it myself it doesn't work it's a it's a it's not sustainable no not at all and you have to you're going to people so I guess it's that it's that we've lost that trust and faith within ourselves to know what we want but we also need to we're also seeking someone to help us find our way back to ourselves and that's a really powerful thing we can do as a woman as a mum, as a partner, as a friend, as a daughter, is to finally find our way back to ourselves. And I think that's the empowering thing we can do for everyone around us. I mean, I think we're wired. We're, we're, you know, it's almost like our humanness hasn't evolved enough beyond sort of like the caveman theory where we're really wired to belong and we're really wired to fit into a community. And so what we do is we shift and change ourselves as children, which are like really the developmental years, um, so that we don't stand out, so that we're the good girls, yeah. so that, you know, we receive everything we do is to receive um, to, to make us feel like we belong somewhere, to make us feel like we're worthy of someone's time, love and attention. And so as if we get a reward for a specific behavior um, and we get um, someone's approval or something like that, then we continue to sort of draw into our experience, you know, other things that prove that belief about us true. And then we cement that. And then we get so bogged down and all of, that we've cemented into our being that we lose the beautiful essence of who we are and so spiritual growth is really about truth it's really about knowing yourself it's about self-expression but how can you how can you have true self-expression if you can't express yourself you know if you can't if you can't even say well i like this or i want this or these are my dreams or this is who i am you know especially as mothers i think we become so we really identify with being mum mm-hmm. and we forget that we are a woman first and foremost, before we were a mother, you know, before Bowdoin came along for 30 years, I was just Monique. How in such a split second did I lose that part of myself? And so when we're starting to really discover the truth about ourselves, it's really about unraveling those layers that we've placed on, on ourselves. It's really about unwinding all of those beliefs that don't, some of them might land with us. Some of them might really resonate with us on a soul level and we know that to be true but most of the time it's not ours and we can just say thank you for the lessons and leave it behind but Mm. I think when we over identify with with things I think that's where we sort of start to get with being a mom and being a wife and this is what a mom and a wife looks like yeah what do you suggest for people then that if there are women listening that might be like yeah I really want to do that kind of work I really want to peel back these layers I really am resonating with what you're saying but I don't even know where to start to me, it's like two layers. One is, you know, spiritual development, personal growth. And the other is a practice that helps you connect in with yourself. So for, for me, it is meditation is the practice that helps me connect in with the truth of who I am within. It's not, it's not a practice to necessarily 
um, you know, just tap out from the world. It, it's something that really helps me connect with my innate nature. And then the second is personal growth. And you can do this anyhow, depending on what your resources are. You can read books, you can listen to podcasts, but you have to be, you know, it's called a practice for a reason because you actually have to actively practice it. But for me, what's actually really helped is having a guide or a mentor um, lead me through. And that could be a therapist, that could be a coach. Mm. For me, it's my meditation teacher. And this, it's usually someone who's a little bit ahead of the game. They're not perfect, but they're just a little bit ahead of the game. And I've outgrown a lot of my coaches and mentors. And so you seek someone who's more, more along, wow. more along mm. as you stay committed. But, you know, it's, it's, it's a combination of two things is one is finding a practice that helps you connect, connect into yourself deeply. It might be art, it might be journaling. Yeah. And then finding a, a, a teacher or a mentor who's able to guide you back to yourself, guide you back to your own inner, inner wisdom, share knowledge that, you know, rings true for you on a soul level so that you can just be like, you, you, you'll notice like markers of spirituality as well, because you'll start to notice contrast between your relationships with other people. Mm -hmm. For one, you'll be like, have they always been like this? <laughs> <laughs> and the answer is yes. Yeah. <laughs> but the, because you're growing, you're notice, starting to notice the difference between you and, and people that you would have normally surrounded yourself with. Or you'll start questioning things a little bit, which you probably never would have questioned. Like, hang on, is that actually okay? Is that actually what I want? Is that actually what um, I enjoy doing? Or do I just I think I don't that's even what like I'm doing. doing this shit. I mean, that's yeah. how drinking dropped for me because I was like, oh, even fucking enjoy this shit like what was that drinking sorry yeah yeah drinking. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah that I feel has just blended effortlessly into the next segment that I wanted to speak to you about which is when you want the people around you to change that was oh. our segment too when you want the people around you to change and and that comes from as you just said, maybe having this kind of spiritual awakening and growth and then noticing the people around you are actually still the same. Nothing else has changed but you. And all of a sudden yeah. you're like, were you always like that? Did you always think like that? Did I always tolerate these jokes or this conversation or all this toxic frequency where all we do is bitch about people or, um, yeah. yeah. So what would you, how do you deal with when that happens, when you start to realize that you're outgrowing the friends or the family or the relationship in your life? I mean, it's really hard when we start to have that growth. I was, I think people tend to become one of two or three things when you start to notice contrast in, in your friendships or your relationships. One, I became an evangelist with some people where I was like, you have mm. to do this and you have to meditate and you have to blah, 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 because you're this and you're that. And that this is, this has helped for me. And so it's got to help for you too. You got to yep. do it. And then getting yep. pissed off when they don't do it. The other thing was just like cutting people off completely, which was also not a great idea. Sometimes it wasn't but most of the time it wasn't a great idea because here's me being like, oh, you're toxic and putting boundaries up and boundaries are definitely healthy, but you've got to think of boundaries like they're walls. And so if you're putting walls up around yourself to protect you from everything out there, that's not sustainable long-term. So that's, that's another thing that people do. But when you want other people to change, you've got to remember that you that's not your responsibility and it can be mm. really hard to step away from that. All you have to do is be a beacon of light for other people. You know, we talk about, uh, I mentioned at the beginning, toxic leadership and my um, teacher 
also mentioned that leadership, it's not always people who are game changers. It's people who are just making a difference in their own life and being a beacon of light for others without needing any credit. And so all you can do is be living proof that something is possible. Mm-hmm. You don't have to force it down their throat because that's just going to repel them mm-hmm. or that's going to cause them to, to fight back. That's going to create resistance within them because your goodness means their badness is mm-hmm. very apparent. Um, and so all you can do is be a beacon of light, be, um, be an exemplar. And continue to do the work, continue to focus on your expansion and your growth, because in doing so and raising your own vibration, um, you're, you're creating space for others and allowing others to be who they are and just accepting them. You're creating space for them to move. If you try and meet them on their level and bring them up, you're just going to be met with confrontation. Um, you know, like we don't like being pre yeah. And you know, we've all got examples in our life where we don't like being preached to about things that we don't necessarily believe in. And it's yeah, really frustrating being around those people. So we don't want to be those and people. Well, you don't want to be that because there's no space for you to move because mm. they're right and you're wrong. Mm. But if someone is just doing their thing and you're just allowing what they're doing to sit sorry, if you're just allowing what you're doing to sit in the consciousness, like a footprint in people's consciousness about what's possible, that creates space for them to be curious without being right or wrong. It creates Mm -hmm. space for them to grow. And it might be a long time, you know, with my parents, it was like two years down my spiritual journey before they even were a little bit curious about what that I was doing, but it happened. And it's, it's easier for everybody. It was easier for me to just let go and let them be who they want to be it was less stressful for me and it brought me back to myself. What, what was my responsibility to myself? What is my, um, you know, how can I use this contrasting experience, this disturbance that I'm experiencing with somebody else, this need for them to be something other than what they are and just turn it back on myself and use that to propel my growth even Mm. more. That's all you can control. And isn't that love? Love is letting people be who they are and discovering it themselves because if I think we have, and I'm very guilty of it, the people I love and care for in my life, I'm like, I've discovered this. This is really awesome. It's really helped me in that way. You have to do it. Try it. Try it. Oh, okay. Yeah, maybe. Okay. Have you thought about it? What about now? And then all of a sudden- How's it going? How's it going? Yeah. And oh my God, they're not doing it. Why are they doing it? And realize that then you're slipping into this kind of egocentric control of the people that you love. But that is love. That is just forcing somebody- It's conditional. Yeah. I will love you if you are like this. Absolutely. So- what do we, I guess, do we have to accept sometimes though that we just do outgrow friends and family and relationships? And it can be slightly easier when it is a friend or a um, a family member because sometimes, you know, you'd only see family members maybe at family gatherings. So it might not matter as much. But what about when it is your husband or your long-time partner that you've got three kids with and you just realize one day that you've outgrown them and they're completely on a different realm to you. 
I mean, that was my experience and that was really hard because nothing really bad had happened. You know, he hadn't, he hadn't cheated on me. He wasn't abusive. I just realized one day that his values and my values were not the same values and that my path and his path were not the same path. And that's really hard to Mm. leave a relationship in that context. But ultimately, if you come back to this idea of following charm and believing in yourself and by the, by that stage, I had really done a lot of work where I have to just trust myself here and I have to just leap into the unknown because we are so afraid of the unknown, but the unknown is actually the only safe place to be. The the most dangerous place to be and the scariest place to be is in the ever repeating known. Mm. And I actually just got sick of the same old chance. I have to fucking do something different. Otherwise nothing's going to change. And, um, and so we had conversations about, you know, personal growth and blah, 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 and, and what I'm looking for. And, and they were just met with resistance Mm. from him and ultimately at the end of the day I had to say to myself um what what does this situation call for you know I can stay here nothing's going to change I had to follow charm I had to follow my own internal guidance as to what the most what the best thing to do and I really thought about how I wanted to show up for Bowdoin Mm. I wanted to be fearless I wanted to be which is you know, I knew myself to be fearless, but at that stage I needed an excuse. And so I wanted to show my son that I was fearless. I wanted to show him that sometimes life requires risks. Um, whatever it is that you need to tell yourself to anchor yourself back into your truth is ultimately the most aligned path for you. And you just kind of have to allow, you just kind of have to let go of control of other people and needing them to be a specific way. Now, had this happened now a little bit further on in my spiritual journey, I don't know if that's been different, but there's no point. There's no point thinking like that because no. that's not, there's not, that's not how it happened. But, it got um, me thinking yeah, when you were talking. what the question is. Oh. But. <laughs> I think outgrowing a partner, but then. I have answered. <laughs> uh, yeah, you definitely. But then I really love the point when you said, you know, you use Bowden initially. I'm not used him. That sounds terrible. But, you know, no. I want to be brave for him. I want to set an example. And it got me thinking about the book that I've now mentioned that will be the third time in this podcast chat I've mentioned on <laughs> Dames. But. And I found the quote in my phone and it's because it was so profound for me. And she says, quit using children as an excuse to be brave and instead Mm -hmm. as a reason to be brave. And I think that is pretty much what you were saying then. And it just eloquently sums it up as they are the reason we are being brave. And when I think back, when I left my um, fiance and I found out and he'd been having an affair and I remember in those early hours, I was like, I could just stay. I could just make this work. I could, you know, that's what a family looks like. That's what my son needs. He just needs a mum and dad. And, but instead of using that as an excuse, I thought, no, I need to be, that this is the reason I am leaving and I'm leaving because I'm brave. And my son is the reason I am being brave. Yeah. So there's such a difference, I think, in that. There is. Yeah. And yeah, and that doesn't, you don't always need a reason. Like eventually, like the more you grow, the more you develop. Mm. And Just initially. Um, just initially. And I really needed that because I really wasn't quite trusting myself. I was trusting my voice, but I wasn't really trusting myself to follow through with action. And so what I did instead was anchored into a reason bigger than myself mm-hmm. to help give me the courage to move through with 
with, um, you know, with my action that I exactly. want to Exactly. And that, and it, she also says as well, and I've got this on my phone, that then in shackling ourselves paves the way for our children to be brave and own themselves too. Yeah. And I just yeah. hope that's the, when I look back and the pain I endured and experienced and my son going between two homes and things like that, which is all he knows as well. You can't miss something that you never had. And he's very content with it is that, you know, he will look back and and real and you know there has been a precedent of his mum being brave, and that's the greatest thing that I think I can impart is that you know it allows them to unshackle themselves from what they think they have to do for what they to yeah. trusting that inner knowing. And perhaps if we had those examples from young of trusting that Ugh. inner voice, maybe our lives would be very different now. But as you've said earlier as well, there's no point going back and there's thinking no only it was like this. But I think yeah. that's that really ties in very nicely once again. I don't know how we've done this, especially considering considering you didn't flow, baby, flow. <laughs> Is this societal experience? expectations around relationships and the indoctrination of what we think as women we have to have to be successful women and or successful mothers or as if we've owned it like what does that even mean what does that look like is it that you've you're a real woman if you are married and you have your two point, what is it? 2.8 kids in a a house with a white picket fence. Does that mean that you've owned it? And there's no disrespect to that because a lot of the time that is exactly what people want, you know, but does that mean if you don't have that is what I'm trying to say. Mm. Does that mean that you have failed? I don't think, you know, success is so individual. It's so unique to every human. And like you said, you know, that white picket fence family, you know, might be what is the most evolutionary and aligning thing for someone, but that doesn't mean that it applies to all. And it's so funny because I was just thinking like, as you said that, because we're both experiencing these expectations on us. And I was just thinking about my life, you know, I was dating my high school sweetheart. When are you getting married? When are you getting married? Mm. And I felt like such a failure because it took him 14 years to propose to me. And I was like, what, what's wrong with me? Mm. Everyone's expecting him to have proposed to me by now, but fucking hell, we were kids when we were 14 when we started going out. Wow. Um, so of course we, you know, but I just, I made that mean something about who I was and then when we finally got engaged, when are you getting married? When are you getting married? And then we got married. And when are you having kids? When are you having kids? And we've been separated for four years now. <laughs> when are you getting Obviously. separated? When are you getting separated? <laughs> when are you, when are you, I know. We've been separated for four years now. And then, you know, I'm 36 this year. And everyone's like, oh, you need to give Bo a brother or a sister. Yeah, wow. And I'm like, I'm not even in a, you know, so relationship. flavors of the same conditioning, isn't it? It's all the same intention just with different words attached to it do you know what I mean it's, it's all just pressure all with different same. words yeah I'm like you go have a fucking kid if you want to have a kid so badly but but what I like what it makes me is I'm like oh, is there something wrong with me like am I getting too old to have kids if I you know don't meet someone straight away or maybe I should get a sperm note and all these things run through your head and oh is Bowden going to be you know traumatized because he's an only child and he's going to be selfish and all of these things that maybe I'm not going to be a great mother of more than one child. Maybe the now is not the right time for me to have another child. I don't know, you know, but for me, for everyone to place onto me the expectations um, and the pressure to be a certain way, it's just a lot. It's draining. 
And I'm just like, that's a lot sometimes. (laughs) (laughs) That is the best summary of just this whole conversation is that's a lot sometimes. (laughs) And it really, yeah, you really question yourself and you're like, is something wrong wrong with with me? me? Because I don't want that. Yeah. And then there are so many layers when it comes to who we attracted to as well that we don't even realize are at play. So it can be that Mm. it is not just how someone say they look or their job or their, no, their personality or (laughs) all that kind of bullshit. Well, not bullshit, but it is all important. But, you know, it's, there's so much more to that is also the conditioning Mm. that as women, we are expected to, and I feel like this should be almost a drinking game, a sober drinking game every time I say as women. Yeah, shot. Is that... If somebody, if you're of a certain age and a certain marital status, that if someone good enough comes into your life Mm, and the focus is on good enough, then you Mm -hmm. should just be grateful that you're of that age and you're of that, have that baggage, i.e. I have a child, i.e. you have a child baggage. And I'm saying baggage in quotation marks. Quote marks. Yep. And that if someone is, it kind of fits the bill and ticks most of the boxes, but you don't really, it doesn't, not quite the person you had in mind when you pictured your soulmate um, when you were a child, but now they're good enough because I'm X age and I've got this amount of baggage. So I should Mm. just do it. And this is not an oversimplification. This is not, and this is not an exaggeration that that is what women do a lot. We settle and we settle for the person that next comes along that is after shit date, after shit date, after dating apps. And then someone comes along that is all right and good enough. And let's just throw in the towel and just do it and go this way. Yeah. I think like that, that comes down to trust. That's us. Cause I was just thinking about me. I'm like, oh, well I could just have a baby now if mm. I really wanted to. But then <laughs> That comes down to me not trusting Mm. that what's meant for me is going to be delivered to me. And that also comes down to your self-worth a little bit. You know, what am I worth? Am I worth waiting for Mm. the right thing to come along? And like remove man or wife or woman, whatever. It could be job. It could Mm. be, it could be any, any experience, but we are so afraid that things are not going to work out for us. And we're like, I'll just take the first thing that comes along because this might be my last chance. Mm -hmm. And the reality of it, you know, like I've got, I've got, Let's just say I live to a hundred, which means oh, and you want to live to a hundred too. I want to live to a hundred at least because I want, I want you know, Prince William to write me a letter oh, when he's um, king. Mm. Yeah, when he's king. Uh, but anyway, um, I just think to myself, if I live to a hundred, let's just say that means I've got sixty-four years left of my life for the right person to come along. Now, could I settle now for someone who's not quite the right person, or not quite, you know, the spiritual match, or intellectual match, or energetic match, whatever, 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 and then potentially miss out on, you know, the perfect, quote unquote, perfect? No such thing as perfect, but the most evolutionary. Perfect person for me to come along and say six months, a year, five years, 10 years, you know, I think we have such a sense of urgency about life that takes us away from trusting the natural unfolding of things, whether it's relationships or children or jobs or careers or whatever it is. Um, And yeah, I just think people just need to fuck off and mind their own business. (laughs) (laughs) 
<laughs> yes. And it goes back to that kind of patriarchal <laughs> indoctrination bullshit that as women, you know, we do have to accept what just comes good enough, that what comes along is good enough. And the, the man is just good enough and oh, he dicks the most of them, then, you know, be on your merry way and then that's it. But yeah, it goes back to, and I think this has been a theme throughout every segment, and I didn't realize when I was putting together the show notes, is that, um, is that it all just comes down to trusting that inner knowing and that, and if someone does is coming along and I get it, I get it as a single mom when you're freaking over or even just as a single lady and you're over like shitty people coming to talking to you on apps or you're over going out and trying to find someone or, or it just isn't all, it all just doesn't feel like it's working. And then someone eh, decent enough comes along, but it's still, you know, deep down that is not the person for you. Mm-hmm. Trust that there will be that trust that you yeah. are greater than that trust that you are worth more than settling trust that there is something, someone, a life greater than you, not just someone because someone isn't going to complete it, but a life out there is better and waiting for you. And you just need to trust that it is unfolding exactly how it is supposed to be, even if it feels very, very frustrating. Yeah. And, you know, uh, sometimes like when I have clients and stuff like that, I like to say to them, your partner, your future partner, whoever it is, is they're out there somewhere. Like right now, I mean, unless you're a real freaking, what are they called? Cougars. <laughs> and they're not born yet. But, <laughs> but in general, at like 30 something, you know. Well, there'll be an egg in someone at the moment. <laughs> they're out there somewhere having a coffee, probably thinking the same things that you're thinking. They're they're alive. It's just a matter of like following charm and and, and continuing to work on you, continuing to do you and trusting that the universe is going to place you in each other's paths when the time is right. And the more that you know yourself and the more that you know the truth of yourself and the more that you trust universal intent, the more likely you are to meet them because the universe always wants to do things that is the most evolutionary thing for all. And you're that vibration. Yep. You're that vibration. If you're continuing to do the same old shitty behaviors and Mm -hmm. settle and um, not step into your full worth and not whatever it is, if you continue to play out that same old shitty old energy, then you're going to continue to be a, you know, match energetically, vibrationally for that same old shitty energy coming Mm, up from somebody else. So true. And I think people come into your life as well, dates and men and jobs and friendships, all of them, to show us and to really highlight to us how much we've grown as well and whether this person coming into my life is my person or this or my job or um, this is the person I'm supposed to be friends with or are they coming in to highlight to you how much you've grown and changed and how much you've yeah. outgrown your old cycles and old patterns as yeah. well. They can be coming into your life for that reason too, not necessarily for settle now or else this all over. It could yeah. be just a, wow, this is someone or a job or something that I would have settled for or thought was pretty cool a few years ago, but a few years on, a lot of tears, yeah. a lot and of get- work on myself. <laughs> this isn't this isn't for me. Thank you, next yeah. universe. I feel like that brings us to the end of the juice with Monique Barry. How are you feeling? I'm 
were really good. That was a very, see, this is what happens when I don't read the show notes. Mm. Is information just flows to me so much more easier and I can be such a better conduit for universal intent and what nature feels like it wants me to deliver out into the world. I'm so glad you're like that because I need the notes right here in front of me and I've been scrolling all the way through. So <laughs> yin and yang. <laughs> I need them right here to make me feel a bit safe. But um, I think that, yeah. Anyway, thank you so much for chatting with us again and for shining your incredible light on the world and giving us a little fraction of your brain and what you think and feel and experience because it is all so helpful. And I will check in with you very soon, no doubt, but you'll be back again in a few few weeks, every four weeks. And hopefully we're freaking having a little bit of... Mm. Yep. something something by that time if anyone out there listening and has stuff that they'd really love us to chat about too we are all ears um just you can hit us up i'll put both of our insta handles in the show notes and everything all the books and potties and everything we've been chatting about we'll put those in the show notes too but otherwise enjoy your enjoy your day and i'll speak to you soon thank you my girl thank you thank you thank you you're so nice to talk today bye honey Thank you so much for listening to this week's episode of The Juice with Money Barry and I hope you liked it and got something out of it. If you'd like to connect with either of us, you can find Moni at Monique Barry underscore. As always, you can find me at Elizabeth O'Neill. And I know I say it every week, but if you have a spare minute, I'd be so appreciative if you could hit five stars, leave a review and hit subscribe. That helps boost the podcast and will mean it'll land in the earphones of people who perhaps really need it. So I'd be very, very, very appreciative. Have a wonderful rest of the week. I'll be back on Thursday with another midweek squeeze. Can't wait to chat then. Bye, guys. Want flexibility? Take yoga. Want flexibility with your health insurance? Check out United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly medical, dental, and vision coverage that may be right for you. More at UH1.com. 